Oh, man. We could go home now, and it would not be a bummer. Um, how many would agree? Just the Lord moving and ministering. and uh, That's what's so cool about having a, a vertical orientation as a church, is if we would focus on him, he actually knows how to touch and minister to every person. And those of us in leadership at church, we could sit for hours in boardrooms and in meetings trying to figure out how to bring something tangible and meaningful to every person. Or we could just get into the presence of God together and the Spirit can move as He sees fit. I like planning. I like strategizing and dreaming and and thinking of creative ways to to be a church that can really embody and communicate the gospel in, in, in tangible, meaningful ways. But I really like... When God, the Holy Spirit, can just break in and move as you need him to move in your life. And so we we are unapologetic, as I've probably said no less than a dozen times, we're unapologetic of being a church that is going to press into the presence of Jesus. Unapologetic. We don't view our service as song service, offering, announcements, sermon, the most important part. We view our time together as a means to an end, and the end is Jesus. The end is if we would get gripped and transformed by him, literally anything you carried in here cannot stay the same, and anything you are facing when you go out of there has a whole new realm of hope and light in light of the person and work of Jesus. So I'm glad I got some people with me because... I don't want to do church. This is not something you come to to notch a religious service or belt, but that when we come together, whether we're coming in here limping or skipping, (laughs) Jesus is the game changer, the life changer. Jesus is the attraction. Jesus is enough to woo your heart and then keep your heart. Not the trappings of this world, not the best program or the best strategy or the best sound or the best team or speaker. Jesus is enough to capture your heart. And that's why we are unapologetic about wanting to just go to Jesus. That's why we pray at least three or four days a week as a church as far as publicizing because we know that he knows how to build this church better than we can. We know that the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. And so when it comes to wanting to see a harvest in 17, we know someone knows how to do it. And his name is Jesus. We know that there is a God in Christ who has a book written over every person's life on the earth right now. And we know that God in Christ knows how to get that person into the place where they're living out of their purpose and identity. So you have to understand from beginning to the end. We know in our fixed mind and eye and heart is to the person of Jesus Christ. He is, in every sense of the word, the cornerstone from which we want to endeavor and venture and explore every kingdom call that he would place on our lives for 2017. But I want you to know he's the cornerstone. King Jesus, he's the one. And he's the one who, when you were at your worst, poured out his life on the cross to bring you into relationship with himself. When you were at your worst, when you were wallowing in the filth and mud of your sin and your selfishness, that Jesus came right into the midst of that gunk and junk and funk. And he says, you're mine. I love you just the way you are. 
There's nothing that you could have ever done from your first breath until your last that could diminish my love and affection for you. Let's just go home. That's good stuff. That was... So that's the intro. And uh... Church, we made it. Fast forward 2017. We made it. Come on, somebody. That was pretty weak for those of you who participated. Come on, we made it fast forward 2017. Come on. Um, by way of testimony, would, would you just, um, if God really did something special in this season, I just want you to stand where you're at. I'm not going to make you preach, but if, if something happened in your life as a result of pressing in specifically with us in this season, can you just stand where you're at during fast forward 17? Come on. They're just standing to give testimony to God's goodness, amen? Can we just give a shout for God's answered prayer and victory? Come on. So good, thank you. You can be seated, but uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do that. It might become a yearly tradition. So think now if you want to skip out of town for a few weeks next year during the. Uh, but uh, I I am standing. I'm standing because the Lord did bring breakthrough and clarity to some things in my own heart and life. Um, this week, my my mother and father were in town. Um, and they're not here right now, so that means they already went to L.A. because they got to fly out tomorrow. But um, how many know when you host your mom and dad, it's a good, bad, and ugly thing? <laughs> it's really good because you really love them. We'll just leave it at that. Forget the... It's not bad or ugly. I got good parents. Um, they bought us uh, new furniture. They bought us new couches. So that was really good. Uh, so you all can come over, 1565 uh, Duval Court. Later today, you can come over, sit on our new couches. But um, when I was with uh, my parents off and on throughout the week, um, uh, I was sitting in our living room, and the kids were running around playing, just having fun. And the Lord, I, lit, I cannot stress it enough. Like the Lord literally dropped the message today in my heart within two, two seconds. I mean, I was sitting there. I wasn't thinking about it. I'm just with my family. And the Lord goes, boom, this is what you're to share. I don't claim that every Sunday is like that. God, I, it's cool if you want it to be. Did you hear me, Lord? This thing's working. And um, so if you don't like the message, blame him. Praise God. But the Lord just began to speak to me as I was spending time with my family, um, how the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis is a type and shadow or a picture of every single person's life who, is, who has said yes to the call to love and follow Jesus. I'm just sitting there and all out of the blue, boom, deposit in my heart. I mean, he even gave me all the eight Ps because I love alliteration. I like to be cute and clever so that you'll like me and come back next week. But these, these anchor points in the life and journey of Joseph are the anchor points that all of us will also walk through to inherit our destiny. And I want to just say at the very beginning today, 
You have a call and a purpose and a destiny from God. That is better news than the six people who just said amen. You have a specific call, destiny, and purpose and plan over your life from before your first breath. And that plan and purpose, when connected to partnership with God in Christ, is the most exciting thing that you and I could ever say yes to, to following the Lord in. Now, do not confuse dreams, calling, destiny with all full-time vocational ministry or being someone who has to go wear a collar. I'm telling you that God did not make a mistake when he made you. The passions, the giftings, the callings, the things that cause you to burn on the inside were not an accidental sprinkling of the Lord at your conception, but that those things coupled with Walking with God are the way in which God wants to show off his glory in and through your life. Every one of you. So part of the message today, my hope is, is that your dreamer that may have died would be resurrected again. That the dreamer, the thing in your life, that it's not just about punching the clock, although it is about being a faithful person who works. It's not just about the bottom line, although it brings glory to God when we give our best and excellence, and he brings the increase. It is not just about you having the role or the title or the desire to, to lead good grief. I think anyone would know today that we need godly leaders in places of influence. But I'm saying that transcends all of those things is this. You've got to trust the process to inherit the promise over your life. And if you think that there is some sort of shortcut in the kingdom to get from the place of your dreams becoming a reality, I'm telling you, it is not the testimony of Scripture nor the testimony of life. It's a journey. Say that. It's a journey. Joseph is one of Jacob's, or Israel, after his name change, sons. I believe he's the 11th son. And Joseph, from his very beginning... Um, you all think I'm just joking right now. I got it. You got to clear the screen for me. We uh, are going to try that again. Come on, Lord. It's a process. Somebody say it's a process. You guys could just... Just talk to your neighbor. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry. God is, God is so funny. Hold on. Oh, come on, somebody. Joseph, if you read the story of Joseph in Genesis, um, Joseph is a favored child of his father. And if you read the text, I'm just going to do a lot of storytelling, but you can read it for yourself this week from around Genesis 37 through the end of the book. It's really about Joseph. He gets 13 chapters, essentially, about his life. It's awesome. And so Joseph, when he becomes a teenager, his father really, really favors him and loves him, and he gives him this garment, this ornate robe, coat of many colors. And I want you to know that when you come into the kingdom... That the Lord crowns you with splendor. When you say yes to Jesus, that there is a favor bestowed upon your life. That you, when you come out of darkness into his light, you are chosen, you are royal, and you are holy. 
that when you and I come into faith, there's not like this period of waiting. You have all of the resources of heaven over your life and at your expense. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1.3, is yours in Christ Jesus. Someone say every. So Joseph's journey starts like every one of ours who are in the faith. You're a prince or you're a princess. Come on. The very next step in your life, in, the, in the Joseph's life and in your and I's life, I'm just going to go fast because it's just a fun story to preach, is immediately there's these things in our hearts. So, just go to the next one. I forget this thing. There's things in our hearts that the Lord breathes on. And once we discover our identity, there's these things that we... Whether or not we would be able to identify them as our gifting or calling, there's things that start bubbling to the surface. Come on, somebody. Those things that when you see them, they make you burn. When, you th- when someone talks about a need or a situation, you feel like, man, I could bring something to, that, to the table. So as soon as he is crowned a prince through this ornate robe of his father, Joseph connects with his purpose and he has the two dreams. The dreams he shouldn't have shared, but that's the next point. Immediately, Joseph realizes there is a mantle and a call in his life, and it was given to him from the Lord. That's an important fact. And he sees this dream of stalks of grain and those around him bowing to him. And then he sees this star, this light, and the, they're bowing to him. And he has this, he connects from his princely uh, robe of his father, the pleasure of being in his father's good graces and favor. He has this dream, and he connects with his purpose. But He didn't have the character at this point on the journey to live out the purpose on his life. It would have killed him. And it almost did kill him. Because the next phase, remember what his brothers did? Hey, what are you going to do, dude? You're going to rule over us? You're like our second to youngest brother, Jack. I mean, Joseph. And he tells his brothers flippantly with his calling. And we can't help it when we get into the kingdom. We're so, we're going to change the world, and I'm going to have a church of 80 million, and we're going to be amazing. I'm going to have the biggest business. And how many know that that's something that God develops in us, is the ability to shut our trap and let him do the work in us? And so he he connects with his God-given purpose in his nice fancy robe, and his brothers ain't having it. You're going to rule over us? And so they have the brilliant idea to slaughter an animal, to cover his coat in the blood of the animal, and to throw him into a pit. Has anyone been in the pit? How many know that there's like one category of people that the Lord opposes, and it's the category of the proud? And I want you to know the purpose of the pit, or in your scriptures, the cistern, in Joseph's life, when his brothers, out of envy and hatred, so I'm not saying the Lord hated him, but certainly use the progress and procession of his life to shape him into the person he put in his heart at 17. And I want to say to you right now in this place, many grow weary in the pit and they think God is out to get them. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit to show you that your purpose is not possible in your own strength, therefore, part of fulfilling the call on your life is to be one who is humbled before the hand of the Lord. You will not be crushed in the pit but you'll discover there's a grace that flows to the humble that does not flow to the proud. And here's this prince who's got a purpose, and he's flippant, he's proud, he doesn't mean to, he's youthful, and he winds up in the pit. But how many know the Lord uses the pit to humble us? 
the pit of humility, the pit of going, man, what about the dream? I thought like the next day after you gave it to me, I was going to inherit it. Man, I'll never forget, man, I was 18 years old, a senior. I mean, the Lord was on my life. I was already a preacher. I knew it. I knew it a little too much. And we preached at this huge event with this districts from all over the Kansas City area. And I was in charge of the prayer part. And really, I like preached on prayer, and then everyone would pray. It was, I, it was, I was so good. <laughs> I'm talking about the pit, somebody. Just wait. I mean, I'm preaching on prayer, and I'm like an 18-year-old just bringing it. I had little note cards. and like, we're going to pray about this right now, and blah, blah, blah. But it was all scripture, quote, and I was amazing. And then this guy gets up, who shared, he was the guy who was giving his testimony. He doesn't even like read the Bible, doesn't even quote a scripture. And after this meeting, I will never forget it, it's been branded on my spirit. There was cameras and they were doing some promotional material for a big event and every single person went over to this guy. And I'm telling you, as I'm preaching on prayer, the Lord is burning in my heart. I know every word, He's, I'm, I'm being goofy, but the Lord was on me. I knew it was profound. I knew things were happening in the hearts of people. But at the end of the meeting, everyone's filming this dude. I went to my car. God is my witness. I had a, a GMC Jimmy, old school blazer for you Chevy people, same company. Never understood that, understood that but anyway. <laughs> I went to my car, put my hands on the wheel, and I began to weep. And that's the... And the Lord said, who are you doing it for? I was 18. It was a club. I mean, it was one of the most sensitive moments where it was undeniably the Lord. He said, who are you doing it for? Am I enough? And I just wept. I wiped the tear away, and I went inside, and I was pumped for my buddy. Marked me. It was a moment, and it entered into a season of college of being in the pit for me, of being humbled, realizing it's not hard for God to use a man. It's hard for God to find a usable man. And so the Lord, I'm telling you, every one of your journeys, you will experience the pit on the way to your call where you realize, yes, the call is from God. Yes, you are favored, but you can't pull it off on your own strength that needs God. Yeah. This goes to the next season in, in Joseph's life. He gets exalted. It's important on the life of Joseph. You see his call manifesting in every way. He always gets elevated to a place of favor. I want you to know there are things on your life that you will perpetually bump into. And until you realize that's the Lord and to get into alignment and to trust the process, you will just think you're the hot stuff when really the hot one is above you. He's the one who breathes favor on your life. Potiphar's house is the next phase of every person's journey in this place to reaching your potential. What does this represent? Well, he goes to one of Pharaoh's officials' houses, and because he is a handsome man of stature, and he gets favor on his life, Potiphar entrusts his entire household, save his wife. But he said, essentially, you're running everything, Joseph, because you're amazing. And of course, in this place, every person will have to learn to test pass the test of integrity and purity. I want you to know today, nothing derails the call on your life more than when you don't take seriously God's call to being a person of integrity, a person of purity. And it's no joke, the day in which we live, 
If I have to hear one more statistic about eight-year-olds being hooked on pornography and lust entering homes and devices, I'm telling you, there is an all-out war in the place of purity and integrity over a generation. There is a complete war, and I want you to know that there is hope in Jesus. It is not a losing battle. There is one who can change our very hearts from a very young age. I was 16 years old, in and out of lust, sin, and filthy. And the Lord so grabbed my heart at 16, the battle, I'm 30, almost 33, the battle with lust. Not that I have to keep saying yes to Jesus and no to temptation. I'm telling you, there was a definitive breakthrough in my life as a teenager in the realm of lust. Come on, somebody. I'm saying that to say with hope that it is not a losing battle over a generation that they're going to be dejected and are so whacked out on their view of intimacy and sex and women or men, because now it's women, boys and girls. I want you to know that you can actually pass Potiphar's house test. You can do it. The power of God is able to take your heart, to change the affection and the bent of your heart, and to transform your mind so that you actually begin to want the things of God. More than the things and the allure of flesh. And this is not just over young people, men and women in this place. Undoubtedly, some struggle with it today. I mean, undoubtedly. But I want you to know there's hope. And every person will have to deal with the question of purity and integrity on their journey with God. And I want you to know there is one who is righteous from every angle. And the moment you believed in him, he became a reality of your life. And as you walk that out, you will see victory in your life partner with others around you in the realm and area of integrity and purity. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And so every person's journey will, will then go inevitably to this next phase. Remember, Potiphar's wife grabs his garment, claims that he was trying to, which of course he wasn't wrongfully accused and so he got the privilege, someone say privilege, privilege, of learning two little old things called patience and perseverance. Come on, somebody. Everyone's going to go through this journey. Every person in this room is going through this journey. In prison, after being raised up, he goes back down to zero. And then he gets raised up again. And you have to believe that this 17-year-old who had the word and the promise and the, priestly, the princely garment is wondering, God, when in the world is what you spoke over my life going to come into reality? Many of you are in prison right now where you're having to answer questions of am I going to be patient and am I going to persevere through it because he who promised is faithful, he will do it. First Thessalonians 5, 24. He's going to do it. He's going to do it in your life. Listen, one is so devoted to you that even when you lose faith, he's not given up faith in the call on your life. It is not dependent upon your own strength or ability to get where you need to get. There is one who will help you and is pulling you forward all across and all along the journey. And it's significant that he passed the Potiphar test of purity and integrity. And right after this, now Joseph doesn't remember when he was 17, he just saw the dream. He didn't interpret the dream. Now when he gets dreams, because he passed the pure in heart, he could see as God sees and he's an interpreter of dreams. Come on, that's good right there. But listen, why is purity so significant? Because you can't see God in impurity. And as soon as he passes Potiphar, he's in the prison. 
And I'm convinced that the Lord increases his anointing, increases his ability to live out that call as he is forced to patiently persevere. And when these two cupbearers and bakers have the dream and they're confused, he says, man, God can do it. And he interprets the dreams and they came true. And even in prison, when he's forced to patiently persevere, the warden gives him favor and he rises to the top of the ranks. Come on, so you see God in the story. Well, that leads us to the next one. The cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer forgot to tell Pharaoh about the guy in prison. Remember? Remember? He forgot. And so Pharaoh starts having dreams. And none of his magicians can interpret them. And so he's troubled. And the the cupbearer remembers, oh, there was a Hebrew slave. And I want you to know that God, God has not forgotten you today. God has not forgotten you when you've been patiently enduring the test, wondering when your time has come. God's not forgotten. Someone say, God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. And so Pharaoh comes, and I want you to see the unbelievable transformation. Pharaoh tells him his dreams. And Joseph says this in Genesis. He says, I cannot give you its interpretation, but God can. And I want you to see in this passage from this is my dream at 17, y'all are going to bow down to me, to now standing before the superpower leader of the world, and he's not pointing to himself or the call, he's saying, I can't, but I know one who can, let's go to him, I want you to know we're starting to see the man who God had called at 17, becoming the man who can sustain and live out the call on his life, the character that's needed. For you and I, I want you to know that God wants his people in places where they're able to reign and rule because if they reign and rule in the nature of Jesus, the greatest is the servant. God wants you and I not to be places where I'm just insignificant. He wants to actually put you in places of leadership and in governance. I'm not just saying in government or, you know, the social civic world. I'm saying he actually wants to show off his glory in and through his people. He wants you to have influence, and I'm telling you, when we have the robe, we understand our purpose, we understand the journey of downward mobility and humility, we say yes to integrity, yes to purity, we patiently persevere, I'm telling you, there's a palace for every single one of you. There is a land of anointing, there's a land when you finally connect, when your purpose is not a dream or a distant reality, but it's the air and you're breathing, the ground that you're standing on. And I'm telling you, 2017 is a year of the palace for some of you in this place, for you to finally discover and to begin to walk in the mantle and mandate over your life. The palace, it's when when the promise starts becoming a reality. Come on, somebody. And out of that place, I just said it. I want you to understand that from prince to promise, 
is a 13-year journey. If you read the text, he is 30 years old when Pharaoh puts him in charge of Egypt. Pharaoh had a dream of seven cows and seven good years. Joseph said the dreams are the same. There's going to be seven good years and there's going to be seven years of famine, so you better plan accordingly. And Pharaoh says, who am I going to put in charge of this thing? And uh, he's like, it probably should be you since you're the dream interpreter. And literally, I want you to understand if you read the text, it says that save the bureaucracy that Pharaoh had the title, Joseph was the leader of the world. It says it. It says the whole world. You know, the actual passage, you got to see this one for the promised one. Whoa. Uh, Genesis 41, 57, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. And I want you to know God wants his church to be a city on a hill. I want you to know, I want you to know, he actually wants to do something so in us through this journey of inheriting the promise over our life that the world, Isaiah 60, the nations will stream to the house and the reality of God as demonstrated in a people who have humbled themselves, connected to their God-given purpose and passion, and have together done something for his glory and his name, not their own. I'm telling you, there's a promise over our church and over our lives that nations, they will stream to the reality that is present in the people who are connected to their purpose. That was a good one, people. Come on. The whole world came to Egypt. And obviously here at the promise, and this is for some of you today, he's restored to his family. His family, his brothers come. He puts the silver back in the sack so that they'll have to come back. He's a little bit like his father, Jacob, the deceiver. But more a prince. And they kept multiple journeys, his family. And before you know it, his entire family, Joseph, go to the last one, becomes provider. I'm telling you, your calling and your destiny will never just involve you. When we connect to our purposes, it will influence nations, families, relationships, workplaces. You and I will get to partner with the provider in seeing other people raised up in their gifting and calling. That's a good one. Listen, so uh, like is often our temptation in the West and uh, in our own lives is that it's just about me getting to my place, and I want you that's not how the king, that's not the kingdom vision of God's people living in their purposes. It's always for the sake of others and those around us. And when Joseph connects from prince to provider, the world is changed. The world is preserved. The world finds sustenance in life. The world is coming to Egypt. When a man at 17 never lost heart as difficult as it was for 13 years and he becomes a provider, his calling lived out meant life for other people. That's every person's journey in this place. Every When you were adopted into Christ, Romans 8, 13 through 17, you became an error, H-E-I-R, of God, 
and a co-heir with Christ. That's like true of every single believer. The way that plays out in life is as we trust the process. What does it look like? The questions we begin to ask when God reigns and rules in my life and I partner and connect with the purpose on my life. I humble myself. I learn, that, I learn that Jesus already left the highest place, so he never had to try to reach higher on the earth. He just went down in humility so that the Father could, Philippians 2, raise him to the highest place, give him the name that is above every name. And I want you to know that is your and I's path and trajectory. If we'll let him do his work, this year will be the year you hope to dream for. I just believe it. It doesn't take faith to believe the opposite, that you're doomed to just be cruddy and live in the pit. And it takes no faith to say you are just perpetually going to be a byproduct of your circumstances and situations. Beloved, the hope today is that there is a God in heaven who placed eternity in your heart with callings and gifts over your life. And as you trust his working in you, there will be nothing he can't do through you. He ends up saving his family. What God has done in you, he wants to turn around and do in others. This is a vision of discipleship. The journey, this is the entire walk of discipleship. From favored to purpose to humility to purity and integrity to patiently persevering, trusting that he's still working even when you can't feel it or see it or smell it or hear it. Starting to see it. He brings you into a place of maturity where character can actually carry calling and anointing. You see the promise and you start realizing, man, this is bigger than me. This involves other people. It's a provider, a multiplying disciple, someone who, what he's done in you, you can turn around and bring them along the journey as well. Where are you at today on the journey? Do you buy it? Do you have hope today? Did anyone get faith today to keep believing? If you're here today, I just want to pray with you very specifically. Our vision for 2017 is be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. That's our vision for 2017. We are we're focused on it. And with the, the launch of journey groups and with the continued increase of prayer and connecting people and the presence of God and this, we have one calling. One of the things I want to pray, just that the Lord would begin to breathe life into you. God promised in Joel 2 and is fulfilled in Acts 2 and it can be filled today in you too. I want to pray that dreamers that have died would come alive today. Whether you're starting a career at 23 or you've just ended a career 
58, 62, 65, whatever your year was or is, I want you to know your purpose did not die with the change of title over your life. The dream that God has on your life, it didn't hit pause and get derailed because of the season transition, but there is something for you and I to experience and live out in every season along the journey. But very specifically, if you today are saying, man, Chatty, I want to know what that is in my life, that calling. I want that dream that died to awaken. If that's you, could you just stand where you're at? I just want to pray a blessing over you. Just today, I want to connect with that, that purpose. I want to know and discover my purpose. I want to know and discover the promise over my life. I do not want to perpetually live vicariously through other people because there are no throwaways or needless parts in the body of Christ. Everyone is, every one of you is pregnant with purpose in your life. Just put your hands out like this, like you're receiving this morning. Father, I just cry out in Jesus' name that right now, Father, through Jesus, you would release the call and promise over those that stood. Father, I pray that you would begin to visit them throughout the day. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd begin to breathe passion and purpose over their life. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that those things that they dreamed about that are dead would be resurrected in the power of Christ today in their life. Those, those ambitions that are sanctified, that when they were brought into the family of God, this is what I want to do and what I want to give myself to. Father, I speak life over that place right now in the hearts of those who stood this morning. Father, for those promises that have seemed delayed, 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 I speak patience and perseverance and resilience over the life. Father, trusting that character is being forged and formed so that they can fulfill the call over their life. God, I ask that you would release dreams and visions. I pray that you would release not just new careers, but Father, a vocation, the sense of calling over those that stood today. That man, I cannot wait to lean into who God has hardwired me to be and become. Lord, we speak blessing over those that are standing. We speak blessing over those that are seated. God, I pray that, Lord, you would just release a season of discovery as we have just finished our fast-forward season, that now you would cause us to be accelerated into the things of God and the purposes over our life. Father, I break and cancel the lie over every person here that says you are a mistake or a throwaway and you have no purpose. Those are lies and we plead Jesus' blood over their minds and hearts and ask that you would now release the script that you have written over their life in Jesus' name. Father, the plans and purposes to bring them into a place of thriving and flourishing to being fruitful and multiplying. Father, we bless them today, right now, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to just, uh, you guys can be seated. I'm going to do one more prayer. Um, if you want God to bring breakthrough in the area of purity, listen, we can't beat around the bush. This thing kills marriages. It kills lives. It, 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 we, could, I, we could go all into the, even the neurological reality of what a life of lust or a life of unbridled affections brings and wreaks havoc on life, on relationships, uh, or maybe, so maybe you're not in that category. Let's make it a little bigger. Just the area of integrity, period. Saying what you mean, meaning what you say. 
I believe that Potiphar's house is maybe one of the most important phases where we just say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to live it perfectly, but my heart is set to walk in integrity and purity. My heart is not set to get by with what I can get by with. My heart is set on walking out the purpose that you have over my life, and you've called me to purity and integrity. If that's you, could you stand? This takes courage, but I'm telling you, it's worth the courage. And in any realm, purity or integrity, I guarantee you there's more, but you had courage to stand, and that's good enough for me. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the breaking off, the breaking off, Lord, of compromise or discouragement or areas of waffling. I pray purity. I pray the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit on my brothers and sisters that are standing. Father, that there would just be victory. There would be no longer this sense of shame or condemnation. That is not from Jesus Christ. He comes to bring life and to coach and help us to walk out integrity and purity over our lives. So, Lord, we stand, just, over, just stand, and we receive the help and the hope that we need to walk in purity, to walk in power, to walk as men and women of integrity. So, Lord, bless us and bless those sitting. Father, we want to be those people in whom there is no guile. Father, we thank you that there is no browbeating, bashing in this church or in those that are standing or those seated, but there is hope and grace for every single person right here and right now and every step along the journey. We couldn't do it without you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.